this message uh, I titled, A Story of Promise, Provision, and People. Or uh, a better, if you don't like that title, it's fine, I got another one, uh, Getting the Article Right. Right? Article, you remember English class and grammar class, remember the A and the, right? We had to get the article right. See, a lot of us is the fact that we just live in a story. Right? We live in a story and we don't live in the story. So we have to make sure that we get the article right because our story is just a little s. Right? But the story is a capital S. And it's bigger and it's better than you can ever imagine. All right, let me start out with a confession. (laughs) We're going to read the first seven verses. And you may be like, yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) Right? You're like, just pray and let's be done, right? Uh, and that's, that's why I think it's so important that we, we read the scriptures and we understand them. And then so that, so that when we see them, things will just jump off the page. Right? And that's why I'm hoping today that I will bring a little light. I'll share a little light and the Holy Spirit will shed a lot of light where you're like, hey, it's just jumping off the page. This really spoke to me. Right? And we need to uh, be in the word until the word gets in us. And so we're, I'm going to read one through seven and then we're going to actually work backwards. And so you may see that in your outline, but uh, it just, I think it just flows a little better. It makes a little more sense. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 says this. Then the names are, these are the names. I, don't you love that? Just how I, I said last week, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is not just five books. It's one book, right? And it's almost as Exodus just picks up right where Genesis left off, right? These are the names. That's how it starts off. Names of the sons of Israel came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Iskar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Natali, Glad, Asher. Right? Sounds like a homeschool roll list. <laughs> right? It's calling roll in the homeschool. Uh, the total number of Jacob's descendants were 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely, extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. Right? Uh, the first thing I want you to see uh, today is God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. One of the things that is going to help us to get the article right is if we don't believe God keeps his promises, we won't live in the story We'll live in a story or my story or our story. Right. Uh, You know, when we when we do that, we we look, we turn 70 years old and we look, we don't have a lot of remembrance, but we have a lot of regret. Right. We look back with a lot of regret. And so I don't want you to look back with a lot of regret. I want you to look back and remembering what God has done in your life, how you have followed after him, how he has kept his promises to you. Right. And, And the reason why we turn 70, the reason why we get old and we have regret is because we don't believe God keeps his promises. Right. We don't believe God keeps his promise. So where in your life, if I can just press in, where in your life do you not believe God keeps promises or God isn't faithful or God hasn't been true? Like, or God doesn't is not concerned about that. Right. Why is this a big deal? <laughs> well, you saw in the beginning of the text, it said 
there was how many people when the, the, the tribe or Israel came to Egypt first? Pop quiz. Anybody remember? 70. That's right. 10 points for dad. All right, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, 70 people, right? And then we look at the, by the end of this, it's so numerous, you can't count them, right? Uh, and there's so many people that what happens? Pharaoh gets nervous. <laughs> he gets extremely nervous. Look at verse 8. Well, eight through eight through fourteen, and a, and a new king. So we'll we'll go through that in a second. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He he said to his people, "Look, the Israelites' people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further and break. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country." So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. But Pithion and Ramses had supplied cities of Pharaoh. But but the more they oppressed them, it's amazing, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with difficult labor and brick and mortar and all the kinds of of field work, they ruthlessly imposed all the work on them. Right, and, and so God, what do I mean? God keeps His promises. Right there, you may be like, that does not sound like God's keeping His promises. Right, and, and this is why I think it's so important for us that how we live today matters. Right, how you live today matters not only because of today, but because of generations to come. Right. And generations and generations. Right. Which I just think I was just reflecting on this as I was studying. I was going over and I was looking over my notes. I was just saying, like, oh, that's so good. Right. Because today I got to baptize two of my children. And that's not because of me, but it's because of generations before me. Following Jesus. Right. Making them making Lord of their life. And following after him and generations will be affected upon this. That's why uh, the psalmist says, he says, uh, let, let one generation tell your deeds to the other. Right? Isn't that so good? Let, us, let this generation tell the generation below us how good God is, how great he's been. Right? It's, I mean, it's crazy, but that sounds a lot like discipleship. <laughs> in the Old Testament, we find it in discipleship in the Old Testament. I'm not making this stuff up. We're, we see it all over. But here we are telling generations and generations about the deeds of God. So today, where, has, where is God working in your life? Where, is, where has God blessed you just this week? Who, what could you tell us? Someone came up to you and said over lunch and you said, hey, what is God doing in your life right now? What would you say? Uh... Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I know sometimes when we get caught off guard, you know, it's 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 crazy. But see, Pharaoh right here is saying we can't just take note of this. We have to do something about the children of Israel. We have to oppress them. And you see that he gives them taskmasters and all other type of things. See, a lot of time we think that the book of Exodus is about uh, the Israelites versus Pharaoh or Moses versus Pharaoh. But in reality, it is God versus Pharaoh. Right. 
in the sense that Pharaoh is attacking the promises of God. In the sense that he's saying, hey, we have to reduce the number of the Israelites. But remember what God said in Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Have dominion over it. Right? Remember what he said to Abraham, which we'll get into this a little bit soon. But this is what the children of Israel have been doing. They have been fruitful and multiply. And even more oppression comes. They are still producing. And so they came in with 70 and now there are a lot more. Look at verse 15 and we'll read to the end of the chapter. It says the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, right? First name was Shifra and the second name was Puha. Right. I mean, you're looking for names. I mean, we're just giving you names all day long. That'd be good names for twins. Right. Uh, <laughs> the parent, the, the kid would be like, oh, my kid, my parents read too much of the Old Testament. Uh, verse 16. Well, we help the Hebrew women. They give birth. Observe as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. Right. Think about how uh, <laughs> how insecure. And threaten you have to be filled, feel to kill a baby. Right? That's exactly what Pharaoh's doing. But these midwives, right? The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why are, why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said, Pharaoh, the Hebrew women, they are not like Egyptian women. I love that. They are, or they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives can even get there. Right? Before we can get there, we can't even, they're just popping them out. Verse 20. So God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied became numerous since the midwives fear God and have families. Pharaoh here he is, then commanded all the people, you must throw every son born in, in the, or born to the Hebrews into the Nile. Let every daughter live. So you can imagine next week we're going to look at Moses being dropped in a basket and the provision of God, you know, where we just give uh, our children to the Lord and say, hey, Lord, they're yours, right? We'll, we'll, we'll steward them, but they're yours. And so this is great acts of faith for Moses' mom to drop off. But this, again, is God keeping his promise. God keeping his promise to the nation, right? Remember back in Genesis chapter 12, flip over there, and then we see where the promise happens. It happens to uh, Abram, and then his name is then Abraham. Changed later on. But this is where the promise happens. Look at verse 1 and 2. I just want to, again, remind us of this. The Lord said to Abram, go out from the land, your relatives and your father's house to the land. I will show you. Right. Remember, we got they're following you. I, I talked about last week. The last point was we have uh, following God is a must. And this is Abram gives us a great example of this. It's following God. He's leaving his land. He's leaving his relatives. And he's saying, God, I'm yours. Uh, my life's a blank check. Wherever you want me to go, I'm going. And that's exactly Abram's being obedient. He, he's going to go. And he's, here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you. I will, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse anyone who threatens you with contempt. And all the people, right? This is great. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. All the people. So not just the people of Israel, but all the people. So we have Jacob who was in... Um, 
in Egypt who brought his family to Egypt, who was Jacob's father. Who said that? Isaac. Yeah, Isaac. That's right. Isaac. Say loud for Isaac was Jacob's father. And then who was Isaac's father? Abraham, right? Good. Yeah, right. Remember Abraham and Isaac, uh, his only son. And God's like, hey, take your only son and put him up on an altar and, and sacrifice him. And so uh, I can't imagine Isaac would have been too excited about camping with his dad anytime soon with all that going on. But we see that in Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham received this promise, he was 75 years old. <laughs> I am going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. 75 years old, right? And a lot of times we get this uh, notion that w- people in the Bible, as soon as they hear a promise or as soon as God speaks to them, boom, they believe it. They're on board. They're like, yes, 100%. But we don't see that with Abram, do we? Right? In Genesis chapter 15, just three chapters later, Abraham comes back to God. So, the, you know, uh, and he says, hey, we, we can't even get pregnant. And you're supposed to be blessing me. You're supposed to make me a great nation. And what does God say to him? God says, go outside. Right? And he says, count the stars. That's amazing that this is how relation, relational God is with his people. Right? Go outside and count the stars if you can. And, there's, and I, I know one of my favorite things about living out here in Maryville is that you can drive 10, 15 minutes out of town, turn off the headlights, and see stars you've never seen before in your life. <laughs> right? And so it's so good. And so we don't get that city light. We can see that. And you just think about there, like, just, uh, and I sit there and you think about Abraham and coming out of his t- t- tent and, and God saying, hey, count the stars. It just you could just almost sense just the overwhelmingness and God and it says Abraham believed him. And God credit credited to him as righteousness. Right? Here, let me push in again. <laughs> right? Some of you don't feel close to Jesus. It's because you don't believe him. Right? We don't believe what he says. Or we think our way is better. And a lot of times what happens is that we hear God, we not hear him through the word or speaking into our hearts, but we hear him through our circumstances. See, the the promises of God are not circumstantial, but they're providential. Right? That's what the promises of a God. And God keeps his promise. Right? Not only to Abraham, not only to Isaac, not only to Jacob, not only to Joseph, but the people of Israel. He has kept his promise. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing, back in Exodus, um, this is the second thing. Where you are headed, God is there. Where you are headed, God is there. Look at verse 5, I think. Yeah, the second part of verse 5, it says, uh, Exodus chapter 1. Joseph was already in Egypt. All right, why you're, you're looking at me funny? Uh, wherever you are headed, God is already there. Remember how Joseph got down to Egypt. 
We talked a little bit about it last week, but uh, his his brothers were jealous of him. He uh, he came and he would tell dreams that he had and say, hey, I had a dream. Uh, we are seven straws and of hay, I think. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, you all started bowing down to me. <laughs> or we were seven stars and or we were stars and everyone started bowing down to me. And they're like, oh, this guy, can you believe him, right? He's the favorite sibling. He's number one. He, he does everything right. He does, he's that sibling that does everything before the parents ask him to do something, right? That sibling. And so that's who Joseph is. Uh, so Joseph, uh, or I guess Jacob sends Joseph to go, hey, go check on your brothers. They're out in the field. They're a herdsman. And so he, he's coming. He's riding on his camel. And his brother's like, hey, let's kill him. I mean, like, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I have two younger brothers, and I never thought, hey, let's kill them, right? I never thought that. And so these, these brothers, man, were really jealous of Joseph. And so Joseph's getting closer. I could just see just, you know, a big, goofy smile on his face, excited to see his brothers, see how they're doing. And they rip him off the camel, and they throw him in the pit, and they take that coat, and they, they kill an animal, and they put blood all over it, right? And they take that coat, and they say, hey, Dad, we found this coat on the road you're your son must have been attacked by a wild animal. And Jacob just heartbroken, right? Heartbroken. And so they're going to kill Joseph, but they decide, hey, we're not going to kill Joseph. Let's sell him. And so they sell him and he ends up in Egypt, right? And, he, and he, he sold into slavery. And he starts working for a guy, right? Seems like a pretty good gig. He actually has become, become second in command of, of that, of the household. And then the wife starts coming on to Joseph, starts coming on to him and, and, and starts making passes at him. Right. And Joseph, one day, Joseph uh, runs out with his shirt off. Right. Because he, she grabs him and is not going to let go. And what happens to Joseph? Is he rewarded for this? No, of course not. Right. He's thrown into prison. <laughs> so just imagine Joseph sitting in a jail cell or in the prison there. And don't think of our prison system, but think of, you know, just dark, cold, wet, uh, not very good food. And someone says, hey, Joseph, God keeps his promises. <laughs> right? God keeps his promises, Joseph. Remember. Man. But, the, but you see, Joseph never lose sight of God. He's always looking to Jesus. He are, well, He's always looking to God and remembering him. And remember what he has told his grandfather. Right? And things go well for Joseph in jail. If things can go well for him, he's running the jail by the the end of it. And there's two people who uh, Pharaoh had thrown in prison. They they can't remember. Or Pharaoh has this, or they have the dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams, and one's put to death, one is set free. So I think the cupbearer is set free, and the baker is put to death. And then uh, Joseph's like, hey, hey, remember me when you get out, right? Remember me. And, uh, of course, they don't. They forget about Joseph, and Joseph is stuck in prison. And then one day, the Pharaoh has a dream, and he, he has a dream, and Joseph's able to interpret that dream. And again, Joseph, because of God, because following God, because God keeps his promises, here they are. Right. A famine's about to strike. And, and Joseph saves probably millions of lives. Right. Because of what he has stored the food. And so there's no food where uh, his brothers and his dad are at. 
So they have to come to Egypt. Right? And they have to come before Joseph, who is now running the show, is only only answers to Pharaoh. And here his brothers right in front of him, bowing before him. And I could just again, I'm glad it was Joseph and not me. <laughs> right? I'm glad it was Joseph because Joseph's like, hey, it's all good. <laughs> what you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, we're so obsessed with our story, the little S, that we miss the big story. Right? We have the capital S. We're missing the story when we're just obsessed with our lives. When we're just looking at ourselves. And we're not looking at the bigger picture. We're not looking at the kingdom of God. See, God knew the famine was coming. God knew that the, the children of Israel were going to need assistance. Joseph was already there. Already there. And don't miss the irony of the story, right? Because uh, J- Jacob, his name means deceiver. And he's the one who deceived his father and his brother out of what? Birthright. Good. Yes, his birthright, right? He, he, he deceived him. And the same thing his, he did, uh, his sons did to him, right? They deceived him. They didn't steal his birthright, but they deceived him saying, hey, your son's dead when he wasn't. The smile on Joseph's face. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. God meant for good. And you could just see the embrace and the hug and the forgiveness. We have to remember that God's promises are not circumstantial, but they're providential. And then wherever you're headed, God is there. All right, let's finish up with one through four. And, and, and what I want to say is that this is a big story, right? This is a huge story. Again, and I, not just talking about the book of Exodus, but I'm talking about the entire Bible. It's a huge story. It's a big story, right? There's 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 of the New Testament, which makes 66 books of the Bible. Right. And don't and a lot of times we want to see them as just different books and they speak to different things. But we need to start looking at them as one unified story pointing to Jesus. Right. They're one story. It's it is where we have in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the end, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Right. It's one story. And so uh, what helps, I think, is to get to know this story, <laughs> to know the story. You may be looking at me like, I got to know all this. Like, <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> but no, we had to we had to get to know the story, get diving in. Right. I know I'm weird. I know I'm strange. I know I get too excited about things I find in Exodus. Right. Again, I'm just fired up about it and I can't wait to tell you. And I know that's not normal. <laughs> Right. But my prayer is that that would be normal, <laughs> that we would all just get excited. We would all just see what, how good God is, how he keeps his promises, how he's already there. And so we don't have to worry. Right. Amen. Yeah. And so. Uh, but we have to get to know the story. We have to start reading the story. And so I want you to think about the story, not as 
this a story, but think of it. One of my favorite things to eat is cake. Uh, and I want you to think of it as a dessert. Right? I want you to think of it as, as the word as dessert. And I want you to think the gospel as just a big lemon cake with lemon icing. If you don't like lemon icing or lemon cake, I, I'll pray for you, okay? I'll pray for you. Come on down at the end of service and I'll pray for you. But no, it's, <laughs> but I want you to think of that story. It's so good, right? You can taste it. I can almost taste it. Even if you, I really don't, I'm not a fan of chocolate because my mother lied to me as a kid. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, <laughs> She told me chocolate would give me nightmares, all right? And so uh, I just didn't think, I was a pretty high energy kid, you can imagine, right? And so I just think she wanted me to jack up on sugar. But think of your favorite dessert, right? And think of the story and think of the gospel as this dessert. And, and uh, you'll see why, right? So know the story. When we have spiritual conversations, a lot of times when I talk to people, why we don't have spiritual conversations or why we don't have evangelism or why we don't share our faith or talk about Jesus. Because you're like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> right. Well, when we know the story, right, when we know the story, when we get familiar with the story, then we can we now I don't I won't say all that fear is gone. But a lot of that fear is gone because then we can speak into people's lives with the sport story. The thing is. It's about finding what piece to cut off of the cake and give it to them. Right? It's about finding that piece. Like, okay, uh, because every person is not a cookie cutter. Right? I remember years ago we'd go through like evangelism training. Uh, anybody ever been through evangelism training where they're like, okay, here's the ten verses. You take this person through and then by the end they'll be saved. Right? Everybody is not like that. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't learn those verses. Those verses are great verses. But we have to learn to begin to how do we can speak the truth to someone by just taking a sliver of the cake. Right. Talking about how you're created in the image of God. Isn't that amazing? God created you in your in his image and that we're the only things on this earth that are that resemble God. That's incredible. And, and so, yeah. And. It, it, it's okay if you don't know, right? If you don't know what to say. I think there's another part about the story. Hey, you don't know about that part of the story. Learn it. Read it. Understand it. Dive into it. But it's okay. And maybe you're sitting here like, hey, I didn't know a lot of the answers to the questions that you were asking. Like, I didn't know who Isaac was or I didn't know who Jacob really is. Right? That's okay. I think you're in the right spot. <laughs> you're in a good place right now to learn that, to understand that, and to look at that. Uh, even like if we remember uh, in Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch just left the temple, just left worship, just left church. He's reading a scroll in Isaiah and uh, the Holy Spirit tells Philip, hey, run next to the chariot, which is amazing. And uh, he's in the Ethiopian eunuch is there reading. He's like, hey, I don't understand or I don't I don't get what's going on here. And Philip just starts telling him from Isaiah that part of the story about Jesus, right? That's that's Philip didn't start with, OK, let me tell you how you're a sinner. You're you know, you're going to die and go to hell if you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus. Right. No, he didn't start there. He started with where the Ethiopian was at in the story. And, and a second thing, live in the story, <laughs> live in the story, right? Make this and this is uh, not only do we know the story, but we're to live the story, make the gospel a part of your life. 
Right. Make the gospel a part of your life where we're not just living it on Sundays. Yes, it's good to attend church. Yes, it's good to come to Bible study. Yes, it's good to sing. But where we live the story every single day of our lives. Right. Where we can't help but talk about the story. And that's the next thing. Tell the story. Right. Tell the story. But first, we've got to make this a rhythm of our life. And there, there's just things that we can do to help us make that. But tell the story. And the question I just I'll press in on you is, again, is when's the last time you've talked about the story of God? When's the last time you've had a conversation about Christ? All right. So challenge yourself. Say, hey, I'm going to tell the story. Even if it's just small, small steps. Right. I'm not trying to throw you in the deep end. I remember uh, talking about in the deep end. Uh, my youth pastor, Brandon Jackley. So uh, if he's watching, right, he would pick me up in his little green Ford Ranger truck and he'd say, hey, or he would ask me, hey, let's hang out. I'm like, yeah, let's hang out. That'd be fun. Right. You pastor hanging out. Be cool. He has wheels. I was in middle school. I didn't have wheels. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. And uh, get in the truck. He's like, all right, let's go to one of your friend's houses and share the gospel. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, and that's not that's not what I'm telling. I'm saying, hey, just maybe uh, baby steps. Like walk into the shallow end, get wet, right? Just dip your toe in, start talking about the story. And just uh, one of the best ways, I think, it's just helpful, right? I'm just trying to be helpful. It's not, you can leave it and just leave it on the pew and I'll pick it up later. Uh, is, hey, just talk about how, how God has blessed you so wonderfully, right? That's the easiest way. Like, yeah, like someone has it, hey, how are you doing? Man, I am blessed. God uh, has just blessed me so wonderfully. Uh, my family's healthy. I'm healthy, right? My house, you know, I'm, I'm making, I'm paying all my bills. Like, God, I deserve death. I deserve to burn in hell, but God has blessed me and given me grace. How are you doing? <laughs> right now, they may look at you weird, because they do me, all right? <laughs> they're going to look at you weird. But here's the thing. They, they're going to have to think about that, Right? They're, they can't just walk away and they're like, man, that guy's strange. But they're going to walk away and go, they're strange, but there's something different. Right? And so tell the story, share the story in some way. And then last thing, contextualize the story. And that goes back to the part where knowing what part to cut, knowing what part to give. I should have brought a cake up here uh, now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, it's been too tempting. Uh, but know what part to cut and to give. Right? And so I think that helps with our, with our story and, and be able to tell it. It's knowing where to cut. And so it's diving into the Word. It's diving into God's Word and understanding it and applying it to our lives. And so as we walk through the book of Exodus, we're going we're gonna to find a big part of the story and put it in a part of our lives. And so uh, what do we do with all this? Right. Two things I think is helps us with application. One. God keeps his promises. Right. God keeps his promises. And I I pray that you believe that. And I pray that you see it. And again, and I know we live in this generation. I know we live in a time where, man, I can order something on the Internet and it be in my door on Tuesday. Right. That's incredible. It's amazing. And we live in this instant culture. I can I can pull my phone out and download an app. Right. And be helped right away. 
But we see that God keeps his promises, yes. But we see the years. We see that, yes, there are high times, and yes, there are low times. Right? Where Pharaoh forgets who Joseph was. Right? And so, uh, remember, God keeps his promises. Second thing, uh, and this is so true, God, God's all, wherever we're headed, God is already there. Right? And, and I, know, I know there's a lot of... Um, Concerned with the election and what's going on in the world. Here, here's the problem. Here's the truth. God's already there. Right? Where we're headed, elected, the world, God's not going to be thrown. It's not going to be caught by surprise. I don't say that be too political. I say that because we need to believe the promises of God. We need to believe that God is for us and He's with us and He's never going to forsake us. There's a lot of us that have forgotten that. So I pray and I hope that you believe God's already there. God's got this. He's not going to forget about us. That's so good. And so we're going to move in a time where we're going to just deal with this. Where you, you, you can sit, you can sing, you can stand, uh, you can pray. Well, this is a time where, where you can just respond to the gospel, respond to the goodness of God and what he has done in your life. Right? Let's live like a people who believe God keeps his promises, that God is with us.